Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, welcome to Father's Day, a special welcome to all of our fathers, our spiritual fathers. Thank you for what you do. You've come on a good day. Today is the holiest day of the whole year. Today is the most special day. It is the most important Sunday in the Christian calendar. Today is Father's Day. See some Christmas fans in the room, okay, or Easter, sure, sure. Um, It's great to be in God's house together. My name's Joel, I'm one of our pastors here. We're going to come around the Word of God for a few moments. Hopefully you've got a Bible, or at least a Bible app, a notepad, or at least a note-taking app. We're going to finish um, our last, over the last nine weeks, we've been talking about family in church, actually 11 weeks. I haven't preached in church in three months, so sorry if I'm a bit rusty. Um, I was stepped, no, I wasn't down, Uh, it's fine, just joking. Um, But Pastor Brian and Charlie uh, have just started a sabbatical break, so they were sharing kind of every Sunday over the last season. Make sure you're praying for them, uh, that they'd be refreshed and encouraged, that encounter Jesus like never before. Um, But we're going to look at the scripture we've been looking at over the last 11, 12 weeks in church. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14 to 16, we've been looking at these two or three verses. And I just want to look at that. We're going to look at Luke uh, 15, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into this thing. But today I want to talk about fathering. It says this uh, in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14 to 16. It's going to appear on the screen. By faith, I believe it. Three, two, one. Look at that. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. It is, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000, everyone say 10,000. 10,000 guardians or tutors is the original text. In Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy really outline for us what Paul is talking about when he says, imitate me. This word 10,000 only appears two times in the Bible, both in Corinthians, both by Paul. There's this one here saying that one father is worth more than 10,000 fathers. And later on in 1 Corinthians, it's said that it's better to speak one word in understandable language than 10,000 words in tongues. This word 10,000 doesn't just, it's not just a number, it, it's trying to represent a countless aspect that no amount of tutors or guardians will ever replace a father. Here we're talking about spiritual fathers, we're not talking about practical fathers, and I want us today, as we talk about practical fathers, as we talk about spiritual fathers, whether you're a practical father, a spiritual father, or just someone that wants to be a parent in God's house, I pray this morning that we would revalue, give value, give life, give encouragement to what it is to fight for the next generation. That we would not miss what Paul is trying to teach the Corinth church. To become fathers, to become parents in the kingdom is of incredible value. And to learn how to be a father, to stay a father in the house of God is very important. We're going to look um, at a story in Luke 15. Verse 20 is going to appear on the screen in a second. But I want to talk about the lost son. It's a parable that is in the Gospel of Luke, not in the other Gospels. And these two sons come to their father for an inheritance. 
uh, sorry, one son comes to their father to get their inheritance. He takes his inheritance. He goes off to a foreign city, spends it all on wild living, ends up in poverty, uh, feeding pigs. Then he desperately wants to eat pig food. Does anyone ever want to eat pig food before? What does pigs eat? Bacon? I don't know what they ate. They ate something. Um, no, you guys eat bacon, you psychos. Um, and he says, the servants, the slaves in my father's house have it better than this, so I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm just going to want to be a servant at his house. He gets this speech, he begins to go on his way. It says this in verse 20, it says, So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. He was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arm around him, and kissed him. The story then goes on. He quickly says uh, to his servant, Go and get me a ring, a robe, sandals, get me a fattened calf. We're about to throw a party. For this son of mine that was once lost is now found. He was dead and now he is alive. The story continues to unfold, and this is in the Gospel of Luke. Luke is different to Matthew, Mark, and John. If you don't understand why Luke is different, let me tell you why Luke is different. Matthew is a Jewish gospel written to a Jewish community. Mark is written from the perspective of the disciple of Peter. Luke is an outsider, and he paints Jesus in this way of always having love and affection for those far from Jesus. If you look through the Gospel of Luke, you will see again and again a lost son moment. Even the verses before are, are the lost coin. Like it, it, it continues to outline this aspect of Jesus that no matter how far out on the outside you are, the Father has compassion on you when you take a step towards him. And John, obviously, is the most loved disciple, the best disciple, the most favorite disciple. John's not a big fan of Judas. He throws some shade at Judas about stealing money later on in his gospel. Um, but Luke is unfolding this really important thing. And then he paints this picture of the older son being angry that this party is happening to the ring and a robe, which debatably was already his inheritance that he already took and lost. And these sandals, and the father is making a statement that this is only the beginning for my lost son. I'm going to give him his authority back. I'm going to cover him. I'm going to give him sandals. We're going to throw a party so that the whole family knows that my son is back. The older son gets rebuked. And again, this is Luke. It is a comment on outsiders and insiders. I want us um, to understand a, a really important truth that, that fathers set up the family for a win. There's some stats that are going to appear on our screen about involved fathers. Involved fathers, uh, sorry, children with involved fathers are at a statistical advantage. If you have an involved father, okay, I'm not saying that if you don't have an involved father, you're going to end up all of these things, so just relax, we'll get there. But if you have an involved father, you are two times more likely to go to uni and get regular employment. Has anyone been to uni? Did you have an involved father? No, we won't do a survey right now. Uh, you are two times less likely to drop out or be suspended from school. You are three times less likely to go to jail. Who has gone? No, don't do that one either. Um, 
you are four times less likely to end up in poverty and seven times less likely to end up in teen pregnancy. And every single metric of health is improved when healthy, involved fathers are in the life of their children. Every metric, emotional, um, social, physical, um, there is less less likelihood of obesity if you have an involved father. Every metric that is measurable is when healthy, involved fathers value the next generation. Now, in a society that we can view as very fatherless, statistically, there is uh, 1.1 million single-parent families in Australia. 887,000 of them are single mums. In a society that has maybe devalued or lost what it is to be fathers, we need to make sure in the church that we overvalue it, that we give fathers the the, uh, encouragement, value and accountability that they need to speak into the next generation because we win and we can help a fatherless society when the house of God begins to parent in a way that is, it's better than 10,000 guardians. It's better than a whole bunch of people telling you the right thing and the wrong thing to do. Fathers, it'll take the time and the effort to help children to grow. I want to pray and then we'll get into this. Jesus, I thank you that you are here. Father, we thank you for the love and the passion, the patience that you have for us. And we pray this morning, God, that you would speak to us about valuing the next generation, that we wouldn't miss our moment to speak in, that we would value the right things. And we would set the future up for a big, glorious win. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Dr. Sigmund Freud. He was the youngest of eight children born in the late 19th century. Sigmund Freud is known as the father of psychology or the father of psychotherapy. He also was an advocate for cocaine use, but we won't talk about that. Um, in church, um, <laughs> when, you, when your sermon example is an advocate for cocaine use, but it was the uh, turn of the 19th century, most physicians were. He actually became a doctor for the money, like that's why he was into psychology, but he became a GP for the dollars, and that's why doctors become doctors, right, Paul? That's right, and it's fantastic. Uh, he's known as a father of psychology. He had six kids of his own. One of those kids had 15 kids, which is too many kids. And how good is it that Tony finally got rewarded for having four kids? The statistics of you winning then, you were going to get one no matter what. And Michael, so were you. Um, Peter, I don't know how many kids you have, but I don't know if that was a miracle that just occurred then. So that was um, amazing. Master Paul Green, he didn't. You got like 18 kids and he didn't. Oh my gosh. Who reckons? <laughs> who reckons? Who reckons we should do a raffle each week? Like we get the offering up here and everyone gets a handful of it. Yeah, we'll see what we can do. Why pass the bananas away? The rats will play. That's the saying. Um, that's not the saying. Uh, but Sigmund Freud, the, the, the term daddy issue is traceable back to some of his psychology and psychotherapy strategies. The way that you are raised will impact and influence all relationships in your life. The, the problems with authority can be traced back fundamentally to daddy issues. Now, that doesn't mean 
statistically you're going to end up a certain way if you've been through something, but it means that we need to be intentional to counteract some things. We know that our Heavenly Father is going to trump and supersede a great father or a terrible father. But Sigmund Freud gives us this term, daddy issues, and that's what I want to share with us this morning, for us to look seriously at the church and do we have daddy issues The why of the message this morning is very simple. It's that fathers form futures. I'm not demeaning mothers to encourage fathers this morning, so hear my heart. Would we understand that it is a part of our responsibility as parents, not simply to repeat the past, but to show value, encouragement, life, investment, embracing, believing in the next generation for the purpose to form a future that is better. Imagine a church that's value system wasn't just family written on our stage, but was family in our outworking in our courtyard. And it was family in the outworking of our our soon-to-be parents in the room, that those that are already parents would get around them and value them, that every generation would not simply be a silo, wouldn't wait for some event of combined generations. It's not going to happen. It's called church. But would take every opportunity to value, to speak in, a moment in worship where you have a word for someone across the room, that you'd have the boldness to walk across. Imagine if a church actually was a family, didn't just call themselves family. Fathers form futures. Instead of being discontent with what we are currently experiencing, would we invest in the right people, the future, so it was brighter? Paul understood something that maybe we could understand this morning. I want to give you a few hows on how I think we ended up with daddy issues. And again, I'm not talking about our society, I'm talking about the church the things that we can do to value fathers in a better way so that the generation behind us uh, is encouraged. I want to give us some hows of how we got daddy issues, and then I want to give us some hows on how to be a great parent or a father this morning that I hope will encourage you. There are ways that we got uh, our daddy issues are pretty simple. We, we normalized a culture that is unhealthy. We normalize a culture where providing is more important than your kids knowing you. We normalize a culture where protecting is simply something you do from afar, not something you do close. And we we raise up daddy issues in the church when an unhealthy culture is normalized and accepted. And we need to do a better job as, as a family to make sure that we uh, encourage fathers to rest, fathers to get healthy, fathers to be whole, fathers to be vulnerable, fathers to be weak and encouraged out of their weakness, not just normalized. (laughs) Dad needs his time in the shed away from you because daddy's being crippled by his depression. That we normalize certain unhealthy behaviors Daddy might need to go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And if you don't know the difference, congratulations on having a good life. (laughs) We end up with daddy issues when fathers aren't in a healthy place and when a culture allows them to be unhealthy. The second thing is undeveloped dads. 
I know as a dad in my own life that I had to develop who I wanted to be and how I was going to parent differently to how I was parented, no matter how good or bad it was. And it's important if we want to raise up a healthy generation that fathers would develop themselves. Again, be healthy, be whole, be growing, be investing in who they're called to be. Be called out for when they are less than in a way that's going to get a result, not just not. A culture that is unencouraging towards dads will always result in daddy issues. Where it's more important that dad works on Saturdays and gets time and a half than goes to the park. It's more important that dad is working or or, or travelling than dad is at that soccer game. And when we have a culture that doesn't encourage the importance of what a father brings, we end up with issues in our society that are those two times, three times, four times, seven times issues. This is Father's Day. I'm talking about fathers. Mother's Day, wait around. We'll do that. When's Mother's Day? We've already done it. We won't do it again until next year. But can we encourage dads? Because we're going to end up with daddy issues when we have an unencouraging dad culture and the last thing is undervalued that language of primary caregivers isn't helpful it's not helpful language to expect a father to devalue what they bring fathers I encourage you to be equal caregivers to share what it is to encourage in life. I know my son is facing very similar things that I faced in primary school at the age of seven. The question is, can I value enough of my own voice and what I bring and my presence to make him set better off than I was? And that's my responsibility to form a future that is brighter. So dad's church family, could we make sure that we undo some of these uns? Do we have an expectation on our dads to be healthy and to get healthy? We have an expectation for them to keep on developing. We, we encourage what they bring. We life it. We put effort into it and we value it. Because I was asking Jem yesterday if he wants me to be his dad or if he wants Addy's dad to be his dad. And he chose me in your face, Pastor Nat. And I asked him why, and he said, you take us places. Pastor Nat, why don't you take Jem any places? <laughs> but you have to value it. And I'm hyper aware as a pastor of, of the lack of value that can be placed on my children. So I'm really aware. So I, I was speaking um, at, a, at a church and I was away a whole day and I wasn't going to see gem heaps. And I got back the next day. I was like, did you miss dad? Like, you okay? Trying to put in extra time and effort. And he said, yeah, I missed you. I was like, oh, why'd you miss me? He's like, the, the, the TV stopped working. <laughs> and mum didn't know how to fix the internet. <laughs> so I even know as fathers, we can be really like, self-aware of ourselves, like, am I going to wreck my kids? Is this going to happen? Are they going to have to go see a psychologist, their mum? Like, we can be really aware, my wife's a psychologist, um, 
we can be really aware of those things, but we just we need to place correct value and encouragement on fathers so that they go forward. Can I give you um, some hows on how I think you can be a fantastic father? They're going to appear on our screen. The first one out of these scriptures um, is invest. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15 in the message paraphrase says, not many people take the time and the effort it takes for children to grow up. Pastor Benoit often says to our church community, um, when it comes to kids' ministry, that it is so incredibly powerful. I think one of the reasons why kids' ministry is powerful is you invest in someone that gives you nothing in return. It's quite likely you will never see the fruit of what you're investing. You'll probably be dead. No, not really. We're all going to live forever. Um, come face-to-face with my own mortality this morning. No, okay, okay, I'll talk to my psychologist afterwards. We'll get through this. Her name's Fiona. No, don't worry about my psychologist, Alex. Invest. 1 Corinthians 4, can we be the type of people that invest well? Fathers, invest in the right things. There's a guy um, in America that's just currently on a 15-month sabbatical, and one of the statements of his logic of taking a 15-month sabbatical was, at the end of my life, I'm never going to be concerned about what I achieved in 2021 and 2022. What I'm going to be concerned about is how I finished my race, and I need to take a breath so that I'm better. He's leading a church of 4,500 people (laughs) and doing pretty well. He wrote a really good book right before but can we invest in the right things? Secondly, can we grow? 4 verse 16 says, imitate me. Paul is courageous enough three different times in Scripture to say, follow my example. If you want to be a good father, keep on growing. Keep on taking the time not just to be your own father repeated, but to change, to ask serious questions to wrestle what it is to be who you're called to be in God. Grow. Allow your children to have a ceiling that is increasing, not just a a normality that just never changes. Keep on asking questions. Keep on pressing in. Grow. Do a course. Learn something. Get better who you are and, and what you bring. The second last thing is embrace. Luke 15 verse 20. I love how Luke is depicting Jesus, who's depicting a parable that the Father had such compassion that he embraced. That's Jesus towards you this morning. Not when you've done something great and magnificent and and then he lifts you up on his shoulders and says, you did such a good job. No, at your worst moments, he embraced we want to be good fathers. We need to learn not how to how when our kids make a mistake and come back and, and show enough repentance. No, he was moved with compassion well before he knew what his son was doing. The last interaction his son had was, give me everything you have. I'm not waiting for you to die. Give it to me now. That was the last interaction. It wasn't, I'm so sorry. He didn't, the speech, and he was moved with compassion just to see his son. Do we have that type of love as parents in the house of God when we see a son far off. Dads, if we, want to, if we want to be better, we have to not demand our own way, or our own understanding, or our own wisdom, or our own voices. If you want to be a fantastic father, learn how to embrace before the apology. Learn how to embrace before you're proven right. To really care that much about the future that you don't need to be right. And the last one 
in Luke 15, verse 2, when it comes to the ring, the robe, the sandals, and the fattened calf, this father believed in his son, believed in the future of his son, believed in putting him back into the family of God where he could be found whole again. I love how this, this chapter ends with speaking to the older son. Your brother was dead and now he is alive. He wasn't alive because of his speech. He was just alive that he was in the family, allowing the father to, to redeclare and reaffirm who he was and what he brought. This morning, I, I just want to encourage us to value some of the things that God values. And fathering is one. 1 Corinthians shows us that. This Luke 15 parable shows us this. Do we value it? Do we demand it? <laughs> a fatherless church isn't a healthy church. In the same way that a church without each generation is lacking in something. That's why as a church we have demographic. It's why we've got the pillars in the house. It's why we've got young families. It's why we've got young adults. It's why we've got youth. It's why we've got kids. It's because each of those demographics call is to reach a part of our society, but it's also to play a role in the broader church to make each other healthy. Not one is not supposed to be the other, but each bring their strength to make the future brighter and better. I'm aware that this morning I only shared three verses. And in our church, we do lots of topical and textual preaching. In other words, we don't take apart line upon line uh, books in the Bible. Um, if you were trained by a specific university or a specific denomination, you would say that is unbiblical teaching because we're not going line upon line. Unfortunately, with that logic, you would say that Jesus was unbiblical, which is not the best framework to live your life by. Like when Jesus is sharing this parable, boo, read Leviticus. Like, no, no that wasn't appropriate then. It's still not appropriate now. But when I'm preparing a message and God speaks something to me, um, the reason why we're, we're topical-based is, is rhema versus logos, that, that a rhema word is when God's word becomes quickened. So when God says family to us as a church, we'll invest in understanding what that is. And that means sometimes we look for a proof text. 1 Corinthians 4 is a proof text. It's fathering is important, the family is important, so we need to base our life off it. But something I've been doing recently in my preaching is showing my work. It happens in school that if you get the wrong answer, you can say my whole message this morning was wrong, but if I show you my work, I still get grades. I want to just give you some scriptures to base if you need to read more. Here's 1,064 verses, 3.74% of the Bible, if you need some backup to the three verses I gave you. Exodus 4 shows us the first reference of a father. 1 Samuel 16 shows us Jesse being a terrible father towards David, forgetting that he even was in the picture when an anointing is occurring. 1 Samuel 17 depicts then how a son acts when he is forgotten. Are you taking photos of me? Oh my gosh. Thank you, everyone. Me? That was weird. I blame my father. Um. <laughs> but how David interacts, Luke 15 is the lost coin, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, tutors and words. That gives us our introductional basis for 
of this message, message of daddy issues. Our what? Psalm 145 is an incredible generational psalm. Isaiah 1 verse 7 talks about the cause of the fatherless and what that looks like. James 1 verse 7, again, depicts in the New Testament of what pure religion looks like, of what it is to be a father in God's house. Genesis 37 shows us what happens when a son is valued correctly when he is given a coat and what he went through and still remembered who he was, I would not just put down to God's anointing and calling on him, I would put it down to a father's value. The father's value also put him in a lot of trouble, um, but it also brought him through it. Proverbs 22 verse 24 lists 30 different sayings that are very much a father's heart. Malachi 4 verse 6 depicts why it is important for fathers. Is this enough for you? I can keep going. Proverbs 4 verse 11 is instructions when it comes to fathers. Now, I read all of these, so did pretty good this week. Um, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians are both letters of a father. More correctly, they would be called the second and fourth letters of Corinthians. There's two more letters that didn't make it into the Bible, so don't read them. They're horrible. No, but they're referenced in both of these Corinthian scriptures. Actually, they are horrible. You can read them if you want. They're not in the Bible. Am I allowed to say that some of Paul's other writings weren't awesome? Who knows? We'll find out later. Um, but it shows you how a father moves towards an immoral church. The church in Corinth was a mess. A Corinthian girl was someone that slept with a lot of people. The Corinthian church did not have a fantastic reputation. They were rich and stingy. In the, the chapter after we just read of fathers are important, there's someone having an affair with their stepmom. Like it's not a killing at church. Like that's in the newsletter. Like, this is the letter to the church, and they're like, well, someone's having an affair with their stepmom. Like, a messy church, yes? Some of you are like, no, that's not. Well, it is. You're allowed to respond to that, messy church. But the way that Paul moves towards them as a father is a really important example. Ephesians 6 shows us the behavior of fathers, but 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy depict what it is to imitate me. What Paul is actually saying and how he fathers, look at how he leads Timothy. Look at how he encourages, look how he laughs, look at how he speaks against the very thing that other people are accusing of. So we've got in, in 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy, chapter 4, somewhere there, that don't let anyone look down on you because of your age. He's speaking directly into his insecurity and speaking truth over it. That is the example that Paul gives us of fathering. The last thing I want to do this morning before we just finish with a little bit of worship, I just want to give you a warning. No, an encouragement. It'll say warning. It's in red. It's so aggressive. Healthy fathers point to Jesus. I'll give you two thoughts. Um, fathering isn't an age thing. It's a generational thing. And by that I mean this. Um, you're not a father because you're an age. You're a father because you bore a child. Now, spiritually, you're not a father in the house because of your age. 1 Corinthians 4 depicts, I became your father through the gospel. I became your father through the good news of Jesus. I brought the good news to you, therefore I became your father. 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians is an attack against super apostles, people that think they know everything, tutors and guardians. And he's saying, no, I became your father because I brought you the gospel. 
If you want to be a father in the house, it's not about just sticking around or helping out. Or It's about the gospel. The gospel is Jesus promoting. Anything that is self-promoting isn't the gospel. The gospel is Jesus promoting. Anything that is self-promoting isn't the gospel. No matter what your age is, your goal isn't just to share your wisdom or your knowledge. It's not even to share your testimony. You want to know what the most powerful thing you can do at any age is? Point to Jesus. The children aren't looking for 10,000 guardians to shame and to point out what is incorrect. The children are in need of Father's message that will take the time and the effort to cause them to grow. Can I encourage you, no what your age is, what your grace status is? The only way to be a father is to get alongside a generation and speak the good news and point to Jesus. If you value your voice and your opinion above promoting Jesus, you're simply not promoting the gospel. The cry of John, less of me and more of you, ushered in the Messiah. You want Jesus to move? You want him to change a generation, to change a family, dads? Church, we want him to, to move in our community? There has to be less of you. Your testimony is great. It's not as good as his testimony. It just isn't. Speak of Jesus. Speak of what he has done. Declare it to the next generation. Healthy dads. Healthy dads will always promote Jesus and simply Jesus. Not you failed, you wasted it, you're not enough. No, no. This is who you are because this is who he is. I'm going to finish right now. If you just want to close your eyes this morning, Ryan, if you could jump up, we're just going to finish in a moment. Jesus, you're here. And Father, we thank you that you're an amazing dad towards us. Man, you are patient beyond all measure. You've lifted us up and lifted our heads again and again and again. And I ask God that it's for our dads in the room this morning, that they would not be uh, simply discouraged. They wouldn't be under shame or judgment. But you would help them to see the holiness of their calling. That the greatest piece of art, the greatest investment in their life will be what they draw paint and create in the future generations and may it be a story of your goodness and of your faithfulness of your healing of your provision of your love of your patience of your joy of your kindness may it be your truth may may the story that we are telling be one of you king jesus and i ask god for every father and spiritual father in this room i ask that you would speak afresh He would speak afresh the vision and the dream you've called us to be and carry in this earth. And I pray over every person in this room that is willing to take up the responsibility of a parent. Help us not to miss our moment 
May a generation not go fatherless because we refuse to stand at our post. Holy Spirit, make our post clear to point to you, King Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. May you be known. May you be seen. May you be heard. May your wisdom trump our wisdom. Your truth trump our truth. Your love trump our love. I pray that the future generations will speak of the moments and the memories that the parents made for you to move, for you to have your way. So may the dads be encouraged today and may they see afresh the value of what they bring. May it be the greatest priority of their earthly lives to carry your heart for the future generations. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.